This is Ashley from GoldenGoddesses.org, and welcome to the November 1st episode of Threshold to Ascension Radio. We've got another amazing show for you tonight. Before we go into that and I bring on our guest, I'd just like to support everyone by inviting you to close your eyes and go into your heart. Just take some deep breaths into your heart and imagine you're breathing in the absolute love of source deep into your heart receiving that blessing. And when you exhale at your own pace, let go of the energy of the day, breathing in that connection to your own divinity and exhaling, letting go of any energy you might be carrying for anyone else and just come into this now moment. And as you breathe that deep into the heart, Let yourself accept how amazing you are. Uniquely you on your own journey of initiations, anchoring your light, whether you're aware of it or not. That's what Threshold to Ascension Radio is all about. We may not be dramatic. What we're really about is helping you to remember your own heart, that inner journey. And that we're in that space and receptive. It's amazing the synchronicities that the universe brings to us. So celebrate yourself. Those of you that were with us last week, thank you for holding space for Cheryl from Texas. Cheryl, who is an experiencer, a contactee, it was her first ever media interview, and she was so excited to have an opportunity to share her experiences. I'm editing the video footage, and that will be up on the YouTube channel this weekend. Randy Kramer, a good friend of my guests and I, is actually wanting me to announce that he's doing a psionics workshop November 17th and 18th in Yelm, Washington. If you go to the Threshold to Ascension radio homepage on bbsradio.com and scroll down, there'll be a link there to find out more information. It's really a powerful workshop. Joseph and I did it several years ago. So if you happen to be in the Washington area or are interested in his psionics teachings, please check that out. Just to give you a heads up on the next couple of weeks, next week, Thursday, my guest is Shannon Leishner, Theta Healer, Angelic Communicator. And as I've mentioned briefly, she was in Las Vegas last year during the false flag shootout and went back for the reunion just a couple months ago. And she'll be sharing a little bit about how that propelled her own ascension, what she went through as a healer facing that tragedy and how it awoke her to her next step. And we're going to talk with a little bit with my guest tonight about how the dark night of the soul does that. And then on the 15th of this month, Mary Rodwell from Australia will be with us talking about 
her new human understandings, the children that she has been doing regressions with that remember their past lives as well as concurrent lives on other planets and much, much more. So please stick with us. And if you like what we do, share the message with your friends on social media, on Instagram, I'm under Ashley Golden Goddess, and on Facebook, Ashley Andromeda. So we appreciate your help if it resonates. I'm excited once again to welcome this beautiful goddess, sister, teacher, inspiration, human to the show. Laura Eisenhower, many of you know Laura. She has been a voice of wisdom, a voice that has gotten us to think beyond our own paradigms in addition to her gifts as an intuitive, as a powerful astrologer, her own experience with being the Mars program and her family lineage. Just day to day, Laura holds her space, walks her walk, stumbles and picks herself up. And I love her transparency in going through her own initiations and sharing that. She's just returned from the Stargate to Cosmos conference in Albuquerque. So Laura, my dear friend and sister, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ashley. Great to be here. It's always a joy to have you here. Now, I don't know if you've been experiencing this, but you and I kind of laughed earlier today. My phone has been doing this weird timeline shifts. It keeps popping up people's birthdays months away from when their birthday is. And I don't know if it's spirit telling me I need to reach out to them. But have you been experiencing any unusual reality shifts in the last month or so? Not quite that, but you know, maybe it's revealing our true birthday because we <laughs> everything off. Um I mean, I do notice weird stuff. I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but... That, that's all right. Now, I didn't ask you beforehand of this. I don't want to put you on the spot. But is there anything, since we are starting a new month, that you've noticed in the upcoming astro- astrology or strong energies that are shifting? And if not, that's okay. But I did want to invite your wisdom from that if you've had a chance to look at what's happening astrologically. Yes, uh, I have been keeping up with that. And it's been a very interesting uh, climate because we had the Venus retrograde, which is, mm. I think, uh, it's over. And um, there's been, I'm just trying to find my notes, actually. I had notes on this. Um, so, yeah, you know, Venus goes retrograde right when Pluto goes direct. And when it comes to Venus going retrograde in a sign like Scorpio, it can get really intense. I mean, a lot of people were transitioning during this time, um, you know, Scorpio, Pluto is the planet of death. Also, rebirth, alchemy, and transformation kind of reminding us that even when we live the, leave the physical plane, that doesn't really mean much um, as far as an ending. It's a new beginning. We're always conscious. Um, but, you know, a person might be taken on a journey into the past in regards to old relationships or, you know, things that may be sort of stuck. So when we go into the past, we can pull out those old splinters and transmute them and transform them. So I think, you know, there's been a lot of interesting things playing out in regards to that. Um, But I do have more info on the planets. It's just I have so many things saved that um, I don't have it. 
Well, we can come back to that if you find it. That's all good. I know that you continually post things on your site as well that people can can refer to. When you and I spoke, I had um, invited you to join us to talk about this healing or the reunion of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And a lot of your wisdom and your knowledge shares a great deal from the macrocosm, from the bigger picture of what's happened through the the falling of the, the races, if you will. Um, I'd like you to kind of start there, but if you could also bring it into the microcosm for the individual and what that means within each of us. So when you think of the divine masculine, divine feminine, and that healing, that sacred union, what is your um, greatest understanding of the importance of that at this time? Well, it really relates to the healing of our DNA and the earth grids and how the earth grids were compromised 26,000 years ago with dark technologies that were on uh, you know, the masculine and feminine aspect of the grids in very significant places and also putting reversal coding into the ether element, the dodecahedron, which represents the, uh, 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 actually the fifth, uh, ley line that connects into the 13th gate, which, uh, connects into the fact that the mother energy, the mother arc, which is, uh, the 13 is also representative of the quintessence, the ether. So we've been dealing with these reversals and these reversals aren't just a belief system. They're actual things that have taken place you know, in our physicality. So when dark technologies are put in place that create reversals, we're born into a world where we naturally pick up on that. So it's not just ancestral patterns or societal programming. It's actually something that permeates the atmosphere and, you know, even impacts the way we relate to nature because the grids are a part of the natural circuitry of Gaia. So uh, when we balance the masculine and feminine, when we recognize sacred union and we, you know, work to bring these, you know, energies into oneness, because basically duality means we've been kind of cut in half. And, and now these dualities are at war with each other, which means it's our inner war that we have to win from within. And one of those dualities is masculine and feminine. When they're supposed to be in a dance, when polarity should be in a dance instead of a battle, <laughs> you know, something's wrong. Same thing with spirit or excuse me, science and spirituality, um, light and dark integration is, you know, incredibly important. So when we look at a healthy dynamic between the masculine and feminine, we're really in that Christ consciousness, which is both a male and female expression. We tend to associate it with just, you know, Yeshua or, um, you know, some man, but the Sophia energy is a Christ energy too. And when the two are working together, you have the creative and receptive, which is a part of how we function and manifest. So when we look at light and dark, you know, the dark can be seen as our womb, the soil of the earth. And the light energy can be seen as our higher consciousness that plants seeds. So they have to work together. And we're raised in a world that pits them against each other, where you choose a side or you empower a side and, and sort of uh, push, push the other one down a little bit. Um, and so it's a power struggle. So when we you know, really find that balance, we're sending out a vibration and frequency that can offset and neutralize these dark technologies um, and, and uh, help to connect people to this override frequency that is stronger and more potent than mind control and artificial intelligence. So all these attacks and all these assaults and all the stuff that we're up against, yes, it might make things more challenging, but ultimately what we're made of holds a much 
higher frequency that can shut it all down if we can just give ourselves the chance to go there. That's so important. And just for the listeners, and I, I'm sure many of them know that, but to just differentiate when we're talking divine masculine, divine feminine, we're not talking gender, we're not talking sexuality. Could you just give your viewpoint on that just so that we're clear going in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so very often people think, you know, Sometimes even people say, oh, you're just out for the transgender agenda. <laughs> the words are very similar, transgender agenda. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, I, I have no judgment on the way people want to live their life. And I'm not focused on that particular type of agenda because it gets too personal for people. And I don't like to, um, you know, state my thoughts and opinions about it because, I mean, there's agendas that um, have nothing to do with sexuality. So, um, something could be from an agenda. Something could just be because that's the sole orientation and who am I to, you know, pick and choose unless somebody signs up for a reading. So to differentiate, uh, just to being gender, we can look at it like the electric is the masculine, the magnetic is the feminine. Uh, and then you put the two together. It's the electromagnetic spectrum. Uh, when you look at the qualities of masculine and feminine, you have the negative and the positive, not negative as in bad, but mm-hmm. it's just the way these things, uh, you know, come together. Every Zodiac sign has a masculine or feminine, uh, association, but it doesn't mean that if you're, you know, predominantly signs that are masculine, it makes you more of a male when it comes to your sexuality. And if it did, so what, so be it. But the masculine tends to be the creative and the feminine tends to be the receptive. And because it's a part of our energy circulation, you know, we have a right brain, a left brain, um, our feminine side, our masculine side. Um, how we orientate ourselves as far as sexual beings is a completely different thing. So we can't lose connection with our energy circulation by getting all caught up in, um, well, I got to block this side to empower this side because I'm in a female body. I better repress my male mm-hmm. side or just be pissed off at the female programming and just turn to my male side and repress the feminine. It's like these two have to come together as energy circulation. Um, and to see it beyond gender, because I think that's where it gets confusing. And then people, you know, kind of get lost in, well, you know, can you not be a straight person and still achieve sacred union? Absolutely. Of course. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I have kind of a, a curious question for you. From from your knowingness, what aspect of duality came from the Lyran Wars and Tiamat and all of that? And what aspects of duality came from source consciousness choosing to experience other levels and other dimensions? I kind of missed the first part. Sure. So in duality, right, and the concept of duality, a lot of the conversation in us looking at returning or ascending or remembering talks importantly about the compromising of the grids of the Lyran wars of all of those cataclysms that happened over the eons of what we would call time but when you speak of duality and we speak of the downstepping of the frequencies was it all in your perspective due to these cataclysms the power agendas the negative ego that presented as control was there perhaps also the source consciousness choosing to experience different levels of density. I'm just interested in your opinion. Wow, that's brilliant. Um, It's so funny when like the question is probably more brilliant than the answer. Um, uh, Well, gosh, I, I, you know, it's a free will universe. So I think the intention of this particular 
uh, creation of the 15-dimensional time matrix has a lot to do with what happens in a free will universe. Mm. You know, you start off with the trinity, masculine, feminine, birthing, conceiving energies, light, frequency, sound. Um, then you have your founder races and and some of them are fallen because they want to play with power. They want to see, okay, if I'm given power, if I'm given if I'm given free will, what what am I going to do with that free will? So it's sort of like something running wild a little bit. You know, it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want. It's like opening the door to a candy store. Like, okay, you don't have to, you can do whatever you want here. Are you going to, you know, go nuts or you're going to blow up the place? I mean, th there's so many different things that we can do with what we've been given. And so to me, it's inevitable that all these different scenarios were bound to play out. So I see it as a game of lost and found. If we're given free will and it causes us to lose our connection with the divine and spirit and zero point unified field, and we start to branch away from that and create all these sort of sub-personalities and then create agendas out of all those different fragments. Um, you know, I mean, that probably comes after the exploded planets, but when the masculine and feminine got so differentiated that it started to separate souls from source and the belief systems that were being indoctrinated and the hybridization that began to happen, you know, made the imbalance worse to the point of these planets exploding. And then that's when different fragments became different uh, timeline scenarios and different controller groups um, or different, uh, you know, aspects of even a pantheon. We start with a trinity and then all of a sudden you have like nine deities or, you know, these councils of not, you know, where, where the pantheons start to grow that become sort of the lower creator gods that um, are uh, kind of in charge of us but kind of a veil to, you know, true source unified field. So it just seems like it's inevitable in a free will universe for a lot of these different things to play out until we begin to integrate those fragments back into wholeness again, which we do when we recognize the importance of unity consciousness and our own internal balance and our willingness to integrate polarity within our own self. So I do think it's a part of the consciousness of the creator to see all that happen and to exist in all these different dimensions and planes of existence. But there is also something that chose to separate fully and completely from it that almost plays the opposition and is kind of like that antichrist or um, the anti-life, uh, creating reversals, you know, being vampiric and feeding on life force of others instead of having a direct connection with source. I don't know how much that was a part of the plan. I think there was definitely a duality that got introduced to teach us the right use of power to kind of push us to the edge so that we would learn how to exercise free will responsibly. But I think in a, I think some beings took it a little too far and they're very <laughs> compromised and they don't know what to do now. Absolutely. They took it too far. We see that playing out, you know, almost in every moment, but as you shared, you know, there is this healing that's happening, this awakening that's happening and this, this understanding. And I like what you talked about in that, presentation you sent me the link to that the dark night of the soul is really the opportunity to find the light can you expand on that a little bit yeah so i mean we're in the kind of world where we're taught things that aren't necessarily healthy for us but we adopt those belief systems so that we can feel a sense of confidence or connectivity um but usually it's coming from a place of competitiveness or how can i gain how can I uh, uh, accumulate possessions? You know, just and and if you don't have that going for you, then what? You're just 
a different class. And so there's those judgments. You know, if you're not a straight A student, there's those stigmas, right? So we're given these programmings that are very uh, limiting. And so, you know, the transformational process just has to do with allowing yourself to step back. And sometimes we don't want to step back. So something has to come in to make sure that we step back and we go into an initia uh, initiation into the depths of our soul, into the truth of who we are and what we're really made of, uh, into an understanding of how we're connected to nature and we're powerful creators and manifestors and we don't need the money system. You know, mm -hmm. we might not be fully in our avatar to the point where we can just manifest food out of thin air or, you know, feel like we're totally being taken care of just by energy alone, but we certainly have that encoded in our DNA. So when we're willing to go into the dark night of the soul, we begin to move through the gatekeepers that are are, are doing all they can to keep us from us finding ourselves. So they teach us to fear our own power and, and the whole idea of darkness, even the whole, even just the word darkness can conjure up feelings for people. So when we're willing to kind of go through that death and remove ourselves from the matrix program, whether that's something we volunteer for or something that we just get yanked into because, you know, our higher awareness or spirit is nudging us in that direction because um, we have an agreement or, or, you know, we were born advanced but forgot who we were. Uh, not to say that souls that don't remember who they are aren't advanced under the surface, but they just might need, you know, activators to kind of help them reconnect. They might be a little bit far gone. So anyway, so you go into the death and you let go of everything. Most often when you go into the underworld or into the dark night of the soul, there's not going to be a whole lot of people showing up and being like, oh, can I help you? <laughs> um, I'm so sorry to hear that you're in the underworld. Can I help you out? It's like the whole point of the underworld is that you're basically, you're gone. And you've, you know, I used to, the way I would feel about it when I was in the underworld and I still visit is there's nothing here. <laughs> if I'm going to get out, it's going to be because I found my internal wisdom and I found my own light source in like total darkness. Um, and, you know, at this point, you know, doing readings and helping people when they're going through the dark night of the soul, I can't do it for them, but I can at least remind them that they're going through a powerful initiation and not to be scared uh, and not to feel alone. Um, and I made an oath when I was going through my underworld experiences that if I ever get out of this alive, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. But, you know, what it helped me to do is to come back and live life more in my own terms, you know, more from a place of authenticity and sovereignty. It's not like I was doing it before, but I was in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. So it just sort of helped me to be like, you know, what's this pain about anyway? It's my teacher. And so it helped me to go deep and it helped me to find my true spiritual light. Um, yeah. And uh, if we don't go into that initiation or that journey, we can become addicted to false light energies, uh, which is what the matrix is made of which is part of the duality. You're either successful and, you know, are blessed with abundance or, or you're a, a low life or, or just really compromised. And that's all BS. Well, so that's all part of the programming of that whole patriarchal system, isn't it? That success, that achievement, that, that there, there's some false sense of if you're important or not. And finding that authenticity is really the true abundance and the true gold. Right. And it'll bring on synchronicities that help, you know, our deeper calling and missions to, you know, really come to life. And when we can stop associating our self-worth with things that um, expire eventually and aren't really organic, then I think we're just, just really, yeah, in, in, in a whole different type of richness. We meet really meaningful 
people, you know, people that mean a lot to us. We, we form more sacred relationships. We live closer to the earth. We can hear our inner voice. We know that we can pretty much handle anything if we've, you know, died and went through the rebirth process while still being able to hold on to the physical. And that's the challenge. Can you still maintain the physical? Because a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, you know, this is enough to take me out physical and, mm. you know, because, because it's basically a lot of times when we physically die, it's because the programming needs to die because we don't know how to let go of it and still remain in the physical vessel. And that's okay because we're infinite. It's a part so, of our growth. And so in that growth and in that kind of death and rebirth within, for those that are listening that are interested in how do they look at healing the divine feminine, divine masculine within, um, what would you share from that perspective, from that more personalized? Because as we embody it and as we shift our DNA, we also support the earth in doing that and and it's reciprocal. But do you have any um, thoughts on the individual healing of that divine feminine, divine masculine within? Well, I mean, I think a part of it is, you know, looking at the dysfunctional relationship, you know, looking at maybe what you grew, grew accustomed to and, and, and just kind of stepping back and saying, wait, something's really screwed up about it. Um, you know, maybe it's negative partners that uh, were narcissistic and controlling, which might also reveal the things that you thought were important, the degree you needed to get, the validation you needed to get from outside of you, um, and, and kind of always feeling like you're not measuring up and you need somebody to tell you like, oh, here's your reward. Oh, yeah. Well, you're the most talented and you got really good grades and, you know, all the th- it's, it's all self-esteem kind of thing. So when you go into the real connection of the divine masculine and feminine, we tend to find the feminine nature somewhat exiled and, you know, kind of struggling. And so when we can see the unconditional love of the spirit energy and recognize that, it's not rescuing, but it's reaching out and it's holding its hand. It sees it for who it really is. It has no judgment. It doesn't need it to be anything other than who it is. It can accept the tears. It can, it can accept the pain. You know, these are parts of ourselves that, you know, can help to resurrect those fallen pieces. You know, and sometimes it's the masculine that's fallen or mm-hmm. fell into a programming. Because the thing is, if our negative ego runs the show, the the nurturing aspects of the feminine, you know, they, they, it's just sort of in the background. So when we look at the inverted pentagrams, the same thing where the ether energy has been not very available to us because we've been operating from negative ego, whether that's being full of oneself or feeling not worthy at all. But when we find that center point of balance and we connect our ego with spirit, then we start to recognize the divine masculine is, you know, ego aligned with spirit and the divine feminine is soul align with ego and align with spirit. And then the masculine is the feminine, the feminine is the masculine. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, that's true love. And we see mm. those being played out in fairy tales where true love is the happily ever after. But that's part of our DNA upgrading. It's not necessarily external. It's a reunion within ourselves that is overcomes the villain and reconnects and starts to walk off into the horizon. Like, oh my God, my DNA is activating. Holy crap. Mm. It's not all going to be so bad now. And so this entire journey originally began, would you say back with Tiamat or where would you actually anchor that in? Well, I think just the whole, I mean, I think when the Lyran system was Mm. attacked, it just, just got worse. It was like a snowball effect. So a new seeding of humans needed to happen in order to win the galactic Wars. So more advanced souls were seeded. And, you know, even the Gnostics talk about Sophia putting her spark in all souls 
And so that's one metaphorical way to see it. But what does that look like as far as our DNA? So we ended up having 12 strand capacity and beyond 12 strand connecting into the 13, 14 and 15 and numbers really can get a person lost. But I guess Mm. the way to put it is in order to overcome the wars, you have to have something you can connect into that is the originator and is more powerful than those wars. And it's not power as in, Oh, I can outsmart you. It's power as in, this is a love wisdom frequency and an unconditional love energy that nobody can defeat. It's the power of spirit. And so it got stepped down into the human genome and DNA template to guarantee that no matter what wars or what attacks or what assaults were going to come in, that ultimately if we woke up to ourselves, we would not be forever enslaved. And that needed to happen because that was the picture of this experiment of even having humans, that they could eventually be enslaved. So a new sort of seeding needed to come in and it started to allow maybe souls that didn't have the original coding to begin to um, reconnect with it. So I don't know how all that, you know, kind of works exactly, but all I know is it's an override frequency and we have the Draco agenda, uh, which basically has aligned with the Anunnaki resistance. The Mm -hmm. Anunnaki resistance is more about how can we trick them out of remembering who they really are, where the Dracos are just kind of like, well, we're just kind of trying to kill you and poison you. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, they're like, okay. Yeah. Not, not quite as strategic, right? (laughs) Right. And so, so the dodecahedron reversal, you talked about that a little bit. Um, and I have to share that, you know, when I was living in Australia, I was really um, connected with the energy of the dodecahedron, right? And did a lot of work within a copper dodecahedron and healing. And then I started reading about the dodecahedron reversal and that, that wounded part of me said, oh, I was doing something wrong. So can you talk a little bit about the dodecahedron, that frequency, how it was manipulated and and where the pure light of it is? Yeah, I I wouldn't think that if you were consciously working on the dodecahedron energy, you're probably a part of um, your calling probably has to do with correcting those reversals, Mm. particularly if it was, I mean, how long ago was that? Uh, 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So 15 years. We're in 2018. 15 years, you know, it's so funny. It's like, wow, we're still in the 2000s. I know. Well, maybe it was, maybe it was a little bit longer because I've been, just when I've been together 14 years, I came here in 2004. Yeah. So, yeah, so a little bit, you know, yeah, so. Well, the stellar activation cycle was already happening mm-hmm. when you were doing that. So I don't see that you were a part of the reversals at all. I see that you were a part of the correction of the reversals. And excuse me, I've had the opportunity to look at your astro chart. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I know, I know that. And my jaw was to the ground, so I, you know, I could go out. We could do a whole show about Ashley's amazing chart and (laughs) and work she does in the world. And I know I'm going to interview you here soon. But no, um, yeah, so to answer your question, I definitely intuitively feel that, no, you weren't doing anything wrong. Those reversals are so old and ancient that anybody who uh, has any care for Mother Gaia, who's working with that particular platonic solid, is helping to correct the reversals because it's coming from your own being because that energy can't be destroyed in you, but it can be compromised outside of you so that you can't connect to that place that already is. Right. And, um, and that already was, you know, back then, I mean, you were born this way. Mm -hmm. 
So I have the benefit of knowing your chart. So I'm not just speaking <laughs> on it and I'm not going to say the word, but I, I think that's important for others to hear too, because sometimes we have an affinity with something, right? And then then we read or we hear that there's a negative attachment. There are some ascended masters that there's been discussion of, and it's truly about trusting listeners trusting the discernment of how you feel about an energy as well wouldn't you would you agree laura absolutely you know that's the most important thing is that we operate from the inside out and even if we might fall into a trap here or there at least we can check into our inner voice we can check into the messages that our physical body our emotional body our mental body is trying to send to us rather than always kind of like seeking to the point of disconnect from self Seeking is important, but if it causes you to lose home base, then you're just going to be agreeing to something that sounds great, but your internal BS meter is going to be shut off because you, a person might already feel um, they don't have the kind of intelligence to know what the heck's going on, which is kind of a lie. So, um, you know, I, I don't know all the details. All I know is through my research and just through the obviousness of the planetary shift that's going on and the 13th sign being Ophiuchus, which is ruled by the ether, and the fact that we have been looping in this uh, time loop, which rep is represented really by the Zodiac, which is a map to help you know set us free, that service to self uh, entities did not want us to recognize natural and organic uh, alchemy. So the whole inversion thing, the whole reversal coding, scat uh, and scattering um, different sacred geometries as far as you know w where they might appear in art, and doing dark rituals in places that are high vibrational to, you know, send them in. And then the siphoning technologies uh, like Nephilim reversal grid that can just like steal life force to power up these negative technologies. Um, when we really feel into the impact that's had on our consciousness and the fact that on some level we're all very wounded and devastated, you know, there's all these things that can mask and cover it up. Like, oh, just have cars and money and all these <laughs> things that you don't have to think about this primal wound or ancient wound that, you know, is always being refreshed. It's like, oh, it's ancient, but okay, let's throw you another curveball and false flag. Um, and that's so kind of what, what happened with, you know, the Venus transit bringing up those old wounds again. And I think uh, was a big part of what happened with the Kavanaugh-Ford hearings, regard, not taking a political side, but it brought up again a lot of old wounding, which can have a positive side to it. We're going to take a quick 30-second commercial break. We'll come right back, and then I want to talk about the divine feminine, divine masculine, as we're seeing it play out in our 3D life. We'll go to quick commercial. We'll be right back. I'm Chief Joseph, and I'd like to talk with you about a product called Stop Itch. It's an all-natural product that stops itching and scratching instantly from all types of rashes, including eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, poison oak, all bug bites, and it's safe for kids and babies of all ages. And for a limited time, it's half off at www.theskingod.com or 888-391-5432. Thank you. So just before the commercial, I mentioned that from my perspective, this whole Kavanaugh-Ford um, drama that played out without taking sides was an opportunity for more wounding to come up to be healed, especially related to the divine feminine, divine masculine. Did you have any insights on that, Laura? Well, I think that's been going on for a while, the minute mm. the thing was launched. But I almost feel like sometimes it's being leveraged to cover up greater crimes against humanity that we need to address. 
like pedophilia, child trafficking. It's like, why aren't people outraged about the MK Ultra victims and satanic ritual abuse victims that are calling out certain people that are sweethearts in Hollywood or this or that? It's like, mm. why can't there just be an investigation? Why are people like Kathy O'Brien being ignored? But yet it seems like they pick and choose different scenarios to make us feel like we're healing those things. And I think that just being exposed to the fact that that's a public thing, whether it's a facade or not, I don't know the proof, does stimulate this feeling of, no, we are healing. And it causes everybody to reflect. So even if it is sort of a facade, I still think it has a huge healing impact on the way that masculine and feminine energies relate because we're in this window where that's crucial. But I feel like they're just kind of giving us the surface version of how we can heal this. And there's a deeper underbelly that needs to be addressed as well. So I'm all about the Me Too stuff. Call it out. Call it out. But it doesn't make any sense to ignore the real, real root of it all. The programmings, the mind control, the MK Ultra, the child trafficking, how politicians and Hollywood celebrities and the Vatican. I mean, at least the Vatican stuff is coming to light. But... The Me Too stuff is going to carry a lot more weight if we have the courage and willingness to to go to where it's even more hardcore and, and difficult to handle. But I, I think it's a start. Absolutely. I I, when I'm talking okay. about it, I'm, again, not t taking any sides because there's so much politics involved and there's so much drama and play acting. But when I'm looking out or feeling into the collective and looking at within women and men who may have been on the receptive end, oftentimes people can relate to it more if it has to do with their story. It seemed that what was happening was this huge purging, even if the way it was um, presented was attempted to be manipulated, right? I think the thing, I mean, I, I lived in Australia for a long time. They just recently apologized to the tens of thousands of children, now adults, who were sexually abused by the Catholic diocese there, diocese there, and and so it, you know that's coming up. The 123 kids that were rescued the end of September from that trafficking, all of that is really important. And I guess what I'm saying is, do you see more of this coming to the surface, or do you still feel it's all um, smoke and mirrors? I don't really see it all smoking. I mean, maybe there's a part of it that is, but. It seems like if it is, it's a lot healthier than the kind of smoke and mirrors that we've been given in the past. Because, mm -hmm. you know, maybe on some level, because even the duality that we're experiencing and the dark agendas was sort of like, you know, when you said, is this a part of the creator's plan, was a part of us being able to learn the right use of power. We needed uh, something to catalyze us, to, to push us to the edge, to force us to see the way we need to operate to be okay. And again, it got out of control. But when I see this kind of new stuff, I, I almost look at it like gentle. Um, let, let's start off with the, the the most surface triggers that we all face. And let's know that that's starting to come to light. We can start to have these conversations. We can start to, you know, call um, these things out, hopefully not in a persecuting kind of way, because none of us are perfect. We all have skeletons in our closet. But the fact that the dialogue is there invites the masculine and feminine to have better communication and integrity and transparency with each other. And I think it's actually helping to prepare us for that harsher stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you talked about, you know, the Australian thing, and I, and I did hear a little bit about that and uh, you know, some of the other things coming to light, it just seems like, yeah, I mean, we, we can't go into deep tissue massage without hurting the muscles. We got to warm up the muscles. And I feel like on a surface level, 
we all have these triggers. You know, even in a good relationship, we can just all of a sudden have a meltdown because it sounded like that abuser from when you were five years old or, you know, or you're whatever. So I, th- I think this is a good start. And I almost don't care about what's a facade and what's not a facade mm-hmm. as long as it's having a positive impact. What I don't like is how people are still at war with each other. Exactly. Sometimes I wonder, is this another tactic to divide us? But I'm still kind of processing and thinking about all that. I don't well, know. I think answer. At, as you shared, you know, almost anything that's used can we can choose to allow it to divide us right or we can we can choose from our own sovereignty to to have that neutral observer perspective and not get caught up in the drama but rather observe i for me um again maybe it's my naivety but when 9-11 happened we all know the farce that that whole thing was as as horrific it was on a human level with people actually dying the whole politics and, and the dark ops behind it and yet what i saw on the planet in addition to the grief was this huge collective heart chakra opening even though the attempt was to create more fear and it was to create more um surveillance and a loss of some liberties at the same time from a consciousness level what i saw it was like a a a bright flash bulb that went out that invited many who were ready to open their hearts and really tune in to who they are yes because they absolutely shot themselves in the foot and all that did was push us into places they don't even know exist (laughs) we love each other we're going to get through this adversity because even when it comes down to having our physical health compromised we can either get closer to ourselves and learn more about ourselves or give our power away even more or go into fear and anxiety so a lot of times when disasters happen it bonds people. You know, they thought, well, you know, whether it bonds people or not, we're going to, you know, create this whole uh, war on terror and we're going to look like your heroes. So they might still be doing this to a certain degree, but we can still gain the growth periods without attaching ourselves to the storyline. Because the thing is, the only reason people are arguing is because they're like, is it right? Is it the right or is it the left? It's Trump, it's Hillary. It's like, mm-hmm. what? all that and just look at what it's doing on a positive level to the human soul so sometimes people miss the mark where it could be very healing to the masculine and feminine but instead they're choosing sides based on their political views because everybody needs a hero to glom onto because they don't want to be empowered right and some of us are like all i want is to be empowered and screw this you know (laughs) well and as you said that understanding of when your buttons get pushed or you have a charge around something is to be able to tune in and say okay where is this coming from and is this coming from my wounded masculine or wounded feminine and how do i move into having a sense of what is my truth without that energy charge behind it right it's like we we can really work on I call it multi-dimensional tasking, mm-hmm. right? We can we can you know see the 3D and the different things, the different messages. Same with our physical body. We have a lot of choices as far as what we choose to do with it. It can either help us to expand and become more unified, or it can cause us to um, I don't know go in another direction. But that other direction that isn't about unification doesn't last very long until the body goes into crisis, until the consciousness feels somewhat mistaken, until you know, the person realizes, wow, I'm shaking up more drama and conflict than maybe I should. And I'm seeing this right now in the disclosure movement with let's mm. trade this. Exactly. Copyrights, trademarks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it all sounded good, but look at what it's stirring up and then you look at it, you know, the ramifications. So, um, you know, I think part of being human 
in this human experience experiment, we're also experimenting with energy because mm -hmm. in the end, um, as long as we can stay close to our soul, we're going to be guided back to center. But if we're not connecting with our soul, then we're either not even a soul. We might be, a, I mean, we, we might not even be, uh, you know, if you run into something or someone that doesn't have that home base to return to within themselves, which is integrity, which is consciousness, which is inner voice and guidance and direction to just be a better person, then, um, yeah, that's kind of scary. But I think there's a lot of people that have that, and that's the majority of the human race, and they're able to somehow process this and have a breakthrough that's really awesome. I see this as a major global detoxing that's going on, and I also look at it like humanity's going through puberty and it's completely irrational in the changes that are going on because the foundation of most people's world and what they've invested in is being highly challenged. It's a lot for anybody to wrap their head around. Oh my God, I've been working for somebody who's a child trafficker, a pedophile. It's like devastating. They don't want to believe it. Well, as the paradigms get burst, you know, as those bubbles of our illusions get burst or the bubbles of our family or loved ones who perhaps are on their old level of the awakening path, that ability for each of us that are chosen the commitment to our ascension path to hold space for them without judgment becomes more and more important. And that having that union within oneself of the divine masculine and divine feminine allows that ability to embrace those who who begin waking up without any sort of judgment exactly and that's what i'm really surprised about that i'm not seeing mm -hmm. more of more love and forgiveness more neutrality instead of just getting caught up in the political game it's like don't you realize that they're trying to conquer and divide and right and left is just you know it's when it happens in the consciousness, I mean, you've seen it play out in, you know, with so-called spiritual people. I've seen it played out and we've both been on the receiving ends of it, you know, and when you choose to hold a higher frequency, it's not always the easiest path to do, right? But when you choose to do that, I believe it truly opens up more ability for your body to embody higher frequencies. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about the importance of word and the fifth chakra, yeah, I mean, what's amazing is, you know, just even on social media, somebody can just make a comment and everybody's just like, I can't believe you said that. And that's just, you know, and then somebody can make a comment and just like all these hearts and all this love. It's like, wow, <laughs> words are really powerful. Mm. So if we're thinking alchemy, first of all, it takes being sovereign and removing one's thoughts from what they I don't like to say they but like what media, religion, politics wants us to think so. The deeper agendas don't care if we choose right or left. They just want us to fight about it. They don't give a, it's not like we're trying to win a political war. This is a war on consciousness. Right, exactly. We, like, understand that oneness is diversity and harmony, and we can agree to disagree, and we don't have to, you know, knock each other down for it. Um, so I just, you know, find it interesting that, you know, people aren't quite getting that. The most important thing that we can focus on right now is the quality of our words. And the level of compassion, forgiveness, and understanding that we can have. Because when we attach ourselves to something outside of ourselves, then all of a sudden, it's almost like we share its consciousness. And if you say anything bad about this politician or that person or that celebrity, then I'm just going to block you and you're just a horrible person. It's like, oh my God, why are you so attached to these people? What about <laughs> you attach your heart and soul? It's like, so what if that person doesn't agree with you? What are you trying to defend? Um, so if we could move into the place of fifth chakra alchemy, which would actually help us to be on the 5D and beyond 
uh, timeline, the organic ascension timeline, it's choosing words like an artist would choose a beautiful stroke on a canvas to create something that's pleasing. And st- I mean, I know there's artists that create a lot of demonic stuff too, but you get my point. It's like mm-hmm. everything that we do is a part of this co-creation, everything that we say. And if we don't master the words that we choose to express to people, then we're either going to be constantly triggering each other and creating conflict. So, so even if even the dark agendas weren't even here anymore, we've been so programmed to be at war that we would just destroy ourselves. So we have to rise above it. It's We have to push the envelope, just like we do when we are born into abusive households or there's a lot of genetic damage. We have to take the higher road, have better nutrition, be willing to be um, a better representative of what a relationship is, even though we can create the excuse, well, my parents taught me this and this is why I'm messed up. It's like, well, we're better than that. We can evolve our family lines. We can evolve the human race. We can evolve um, the political, religious spheres and all the power structures by not being a product of it or not, you know, being an enabler. Well, and that experience, exactly what you just said, not being a product, not being an enabler, right? That all comes back to that union of the divine masculine, divine feminine within. Because when we have that balance, we move through what we perceive as someone else being wrong and us being right which is moving past that duality into the understanding that it is all that frequency of consciousness is holding space for all. Oh my gosh, that's so beautifully put. Sorry, Sorry. I suddenly hit you. That's so awesome and well put. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that not that the priority? I mean, well, when you think about it, no matter what's going on, I think a healthy household will always put family first, will always put love first. Everything else is just to support that healthy dynamic. But when it becomes somebody's a workaholic, somebody's, you know, addicted to, you know, substances, um, you just want your kids to just shut up and do what you tell them, then you are living the very paradigm you might not even like and not realize that you're absolutely emanating the very things that they are looking for to break up the nuclear family, to take away everything that's sacred, sacred union. It's like, no, let's feed the ego. Go, mm. go have a conquest and let's judge the, fa- you know, I could go on and on, but I think absolutely that's the priority. And if we could anchor ourselves in that foundational understanding and knowing this, not only would we heal tremendously, we would come together a lot more and it would eradicate the parasitic system. Exactly. All the programmings are trying to keep us from something that's actually very simple and something we all deep down want. Well, and that's that understanding that it's not about being a doormat. It's not about not expressing your truth. It's that importance to speak your truth from your heart using that, you know, higher heart throat connection. But the understanding that those of us that are walking our path of ascension, it's not just when we go to the workshop or we read the book. It's how we interact on a day-to-day basis. And the more we become detached from that influence from the media, from the programming, from the artificial intelligence by taking responsibility responsibility for the words that we speak and how we enter into communication when we may not all have the same viewpoint but honor each other that's truly from my perspective as simplistic as it sounds how we support Gaia and the ascension and how we support this union back into true unity consciousness totally and the thing is I think people get overwhelmed with like what do I need to do to ascend Mm -hmm. it's like it's happening on a cosmic and earthly level i mean the astro alignments i found it the astro alignments 
are supporting this, the Venus transits, you know, our alignment with the galactic plane, everything else is a distraction and a program, as we know. And yeah, I just, I really just love what you said. And I'm just basking in the brilliance. <laughs> exactly. Say, hi. Say hi to Kevin. No. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that, hi, Kevin, one of the things I, I loved in, in your, your presentation, because as I'm doing this course, a teleconference call on, on the Heroes Gamos, the sacred union within. And it was fascinating to read the line on your presentation that said, psycho-spiritual warfare increases when we're entering the integration stage of seventh, eighth, and ninth dimension monadic spiritual triad because this is when we begin to achieve that heroes gamos that sacred union what was lost in the seventh dimensional earth and when tiamat exploded so the awareness that when we continue to grow there are going to be those attacks if you will to try to get us off that path we just have a few minutes left do you want to address that and then talk a little bit about your website yeah so it's 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 you know definitely something that um, from a human perspective, can make us feel very defeated. Like, oh, I'm not doing well in the spiritual path. I'm trying to meditate. I'm trying to eat well. I'm trying to do everything. I'm trying to have pure thoughts and this and that. And all that stuff is starting to lead a person into some major activations and some major, um, you know, it's it's an upgrade to just do the simple things. And this is kind of referring to what you were saying. It's It's the simple that wins in the end. And knowing and connecting and being a conduit of what already is and, you know, removing oneself of anything else. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, and understanding that sometimes when you are, your light is beginning to shine more, you are stepping more into who you are, that there may be some type of initiation or attack that comes in, right? That doesn't mean you're a failure of what you're doing. It just gives you that opportunity to continue to hold that frequency, go through that labyrinth you've talked about and come out even stronger, perhaps for the next assignment on your mission. Exactly. And it was funny because I was always like, okay, wow, you know, now I've arrived. and like, oh, no, You've only just begun. That was metaphorical foreplay of spiritual uh, embodiment in, in this particular density. Um, I mean, I think we always have the consciousness of it, but how can we bring it into the physical completely and totally? So we go through, you know, these initiations. And um, so, yeah, there's always going to be something. Well, not always. I don't mean to say that indefinitely, mm. but very often sacred union relationships get attacked. Um, the things that you hold is very important to you. Uh, you know, somebody might come along and try and, you know, but we got to look at it like a test. It's like, okay, mm. well, this is, this is going to actually bring me um, closer and, 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 and a more uh, conscious space of devotion instead of, you know, feeling uh, invalidated. Cause that's an ego thing. It's like, you know, I've learned to be able to fall down and get, like you said in the beginning, <laughs> not not in a way that undermines me as a person, even though I slip into that every once in a while, but it's not my dominant viewpoint. It's like, okay, this is another challenge to create a seniority over these archonic forces. And the reason they're challenging me, you know, it, not that they have that reason. They, they don't really, you know, like I'm doing this just to make mm -hmm. you a better person. They're just tasked to be archonic. But on the larger <laughs> picture level, it's, um, Thank you so much because there's more of me to reach into and there's more of me to radiate in the face of this adversity. And that's another polarity integration is to understand adversity can be a blessing if you can leverage it to expand you instead of crush you. Even though being crushed might be a part of it for a little while, it's certainly not the destination, just like when fear comes up. It's okay that we have emotions like fear, but it's not something that we want to, you know, indefinitely run as an energetic 
Absolutely. So we have come to the top of the hour almost. I do want to, I know you just got home from the Stargate to Cosmos conference. Where are you next? And let's, and if, if you have not had a session with Laura, I do definitely encourage you to do that. So Laura, can you give your website and let people know where you'll be next? So my website is cosmicgaia.org and I'll be in Washington, D.C. on the 11th uh, doing a mass meditation and a talk with uh, the folks that put together Above Majestic and some other folks, uh, you know, I mean, there's music, there's art there. I mean, it's just going to be a, a, a really big uh, event that well, there, will <laughs> purge out a lot of the stuff that's going on in D.C. Too. I was going to say, I could just see you guys anchoring this huge column of light on the 1111 in Washington, D.C. That's like the most divine timing and, and frequency set up. I love it. I can feel into that. Laura, as always. It's such a delight to chat with you and to the listeners for all that you do. Thank you um, from them to you and keep shining your light. We look forward to hearing more and for the book when it's coming out in divine timing. Yeah, it's definitely divine timing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, goddess, much love and we'll talk again soon. Listeners, keep staying in your heart, trusting in your own journey and your own wisdom and check out Laura's website, her YouTube channel. And thank you for being here on the planet. Mm-hmm. 